Welcome to Occam's Razor, episode 11, live on East FM 88.1, 107.1 in Auckland. I'm Jim Birchall, your host. I'm here uh, every week, every Monday night we come and do this. I'm joined again by paranormal investigator Mark Capel. Good evening, Mark. How are you? Good stormy evening, Jim. Good stormy evening. We had a hell of a storm last night, didn't we? Thunder and lightning and... All sorts of carry on. It reminded me of the War of the Worlds where the uh, aliens come down in the lightning bolts. Apparently there was 66,000 lightning strikes. Oh, yeah. that would Now, that's a lot of lightning strikes, let's be fair. Yeah, nice, uh, nice with all that energy and atmosphere. Absolutely. We Now, we're going to have our friend Roger Stankovic from the Mutual UFO Network uh, on a little bit later in the show. Um, we are talking UFOs um, this evening because they've been pretty prevalent in the news re- uh, recently with the um, Area 51 movement, and even though nothing really happened with that, it didn't really get off the ground, um, and the USS Nimitz and Gimbal videos that are uh, right in the public eye at the moment due to the US Navy's concession in the end. Um, that they don't really know what the hell they're looking at. What were your impressions of those gimbal videos? Just give a bit of an outline to people who don't know what we're talking about. Well, just recently, um, Luis Ozando um, was uh, part of a, a program that was revealed in 2017, uh, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or the acronym ATIP. Uh, it had come out that um, the U.S. Navy had uh, captured on some of the fighter cams and also via radar uh, various uh, anomalous, highly anomalous craft that um, outdone any of the fighter um, aircraft, also tracked on um, radar as well from ship and also from uh, the planes uh, in the sky as well during exercises. And uh, they had also been shadowed uh, by these craft, I understand, um, for weeks in some cases. And uh, this revelation had come out that there was a, a government program to study what was going on and um, some $22 million uh, black budget had been um, set up to study these um, UFO uh, phenomena. Basically, uh, the military wants to know what's going on, what's flying on, what's what's out flying their, their aircraft. The skeptics will say, um, this is just an example of um, you know, the public being fed misinformation in terms of the UFO phenomenon. Um, I see it a different way. I think it's a concession by the Navy that they've come into the sort of 2019 and, and decided... Maybe we're just sick of answering questions. A look like NASA has done recently when um, they've disclosed sort of about 10,000, I think it might even be more images, yeah, about 10,000 photos of the lunar landing in 1969, the much derided um, lunar landing, which is obviously the domain of, of uh, conspiracy theorists and the like. I don't know what your opinion is on the lunar, lunar landing, uh, Mark. Well, I think it happened. You think it happened? I've always had this theory, um, no one really agrees with me, but that's fine because no one agrees with most things I say. I've always had this theory that the actual footage was faked as opposed to the mission itself. I think a mission that big, you're having to keep a lid on far too many individuals. Uh, people like to talk. You know, and that's one big hell of a secret. If you were working for NASA at the time and they said, actually, we're just filming this in a soundstage in the Nevada desert, um, you'd be itching to tell someone, wouldn't you? Well, that would be a very hard keep, uh, secret to keep, wouldn't it? It would be. 
But, you know, again, it's probably under pain of death, though, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so you open your mouth, you you might be found, you know, buried in the Nevada Desert sort of 20 years later, I think. Yeah, I've come across bodies out in the Nevada Desert. Yeah, you were saying, Exiof, yeah. For people who don't know you, Mark, um, we introduced you last week. You're a paranormal investigator. You've got about 20 years' experience, uh, mostly in the US. You're back here living in New Zealand now. Um Give us an idea of what sort of investigations you went on in terms of UFOs. You went to the classic sort of extraterrestrial, the ET trail, the um, area around Utah and Nevada and the, the desert desert area where there's a lot of military testing goes on and, and it's considered a hotbed for for the UFO phenomenon. Well, uh, I went out, uh, I had joined Las Vegas <coughs> UFO Hunters. We went out by uh, Area 51. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go how, b- how big a group is that? Oh, I don't know, maybe 30 people. That yeah. had varying amounts. We'd go sky watching quite regularly. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would sometimes would go out to buy Area 51 there. And uh, well, actually, over by Rachel, Nevada, actually, that's where they we were talking about oh, crossing the border into Area 51, which was kind of fizzled. But uh, we would go there with, with, uh, with our binoculars and cameras and IR scopes and uh, watch the the night skies for anything unusual yep. um, you know often see satellites um, uh, I would set up t- um, time-lapse photography as well to kind of see if there's anything unusual and this some of this footage would be available at hauntedman.net is that correct uh, yes y- YouTube I, channel I actually, I actually did capture something unusual uh, actually I was um, over at the Valley of the Orbs um, looking in the direction okay, of, now how, why do they call it Valley of the Orbs well, apparently people say it's an area you can go with the spiritual activity and orbs are seen. I don't know a lot is, of Is it a bit like that mountain um, somewhere up near the Canadian border, I think it is, that they see a lot of an- anomalous lights and so oh, forth? Oh, you mean and, like Mount Shasta? Uh, no, Shasta's the one where they have the... Uh, um, what are they called? The Luridians or something like Lurians or... Lemurians? Lemurians, there we go. Yeah, I <laughs> What's your take on the Lemurians I, I, living I, I on Mount Shasta? I, I can't say anything about it because I haven't, you know, been over there. Yeah. But people do report there's strange things happen. Um, I met with um, a man that runs the CE5 um, group here, Close Encounters 5 group, which is a human-initiated contact to ETs, and uh, he was telling me that sometimes when they do their outings that they have these very strange anomalous visitors that no one can identify uh, when they do these meditations. It's basically... Tell us actually a little bit, you were telling me off here about this group. You went out um, to a beach on the west coast of Auckland, uh, New Zealand, where we are um, called Piha, and... These t- talk us through because I'm I'm actually fascinated with what these people do. They're they're looking to make contact with extraterrestrials via meditation. Is that correct? Yes, pretty much along those lines. From I mean, I'm pretty new to it. Um, just I can explain from. Was this the first time you'd been out? Uh, yes, yeah, yes. Um, yeah, sky watching. That is. Uh, yeah, they use a lot of uh, meditation kind of techniques. I understand that um, Dr. Stephen Greer. Uh, developed a protocol for initiating human to ET contact. In other words, raising the human vibration to attract um, other beings, non-human beings, to um, to the people on the ground. Yeah. Now I've had stuff happen just with using my own energy. Mm. Um, I'm pretty but what sort of techniques do these people use to, to summon ET, so to speak? Um, basically, one of the meditations I, I witnessed them use was um, basically trying to describe um, 
the location of where they are, sending basically a visualization of where they are on on the planet, and sh- sending like an image of that to whatever can sense that energy um, vibration out there. Um, there are people in the group that um, that said they'd had very strange encounters. They had set up these radios on this unused frequency that it seemed to correlate with like yes or no kinds of answers and um, they Do they always choose the same um, side for investigation or they go to different places? My understanding is they go to different places. Okay. And how did you get involved with them? They, they'd heard of your work through the um, no, Haunted Man? No, actually, I look, I'd heard about CE5 before and I, uh, since I had been uh, involved in sky watching, um, not not like a meditation way, not, not in the way You mean just it. sort of sky fishing, fishing for uh, anomalous lights in the sky and things like that? Yes, and even uh, things on the ground too. Okay. Um, I've seen videos where these strange lights even show up on the ground. And uh, when I was doing meditation with them, this voice yelled out from the, the, the darkness of the bush at about 10 past midnight that I caught on uh, one of my cameras. Uh, I don't know what it was. It certainly didn't sound like an animal, but kind of strange because it's a North Piha beach area up there, right behind where the sound came from. was kind of a, It's a wild area. You don't want to hang around in the bush right on the edge of a cliff. It's kind of a dangerous area. Absolutely. Is it up around the Gannett Colony, is it? Isn't uh, that sort of area? I'm not sure where that is. Okay. Because I'm wondering if those strange sounds might have been from a distressed Gannett. No, it was def- <laughs> it was it was definitely uh, definitely uh, intelligent. It wasn't definitely wasn't an animal. Okay. Um, now, have these people ever? I don't like to call them these people. So, what's the best description for them? the CE five? What does the five stand for? Close encounters. Um, I guess close of the fifth kind. Of the fifth kind. Okay. Yes. I yes. should have put two and two together there, shouldn't yeah, I? Yeah. There you go. Um, did they have any compelling evidence? Um, I didn't. All I got to hear was not uh, necessarily on the day you were out, the night you were out, but um, in, in general, what what got you interested? Well, when I was there, they didn't. As far as I, well, they did actually. It looked like they had uh, audio recorder there. I, I didn't see any other um, recording device. They may use them. And I understand people use like Generation Three night vision military. Um, quality cameras which are really nice but they i didn't notice any kind of recording devices aside from an audio device so we're using these other experimental um kinds of um channels radio channels but um i i didn't get to see any evidence i mean i have seen some stuff related to cu5 online but not through them i uh, i i mean when i went there i i had my gear with me I had a big military pack on with me that I, they took in with me, and I was hoping... I did get something, at least some satellites on there. I did get some things up in the sky. I can't say for sure what they were. Why Pihar? Just because the sky's clear up there, or...? Well, I I, th- I think they said it's kind of a spiritual area for them. Mm. I mean, and also it's kind of away from the public, a lot mm. of the public. Like we walked out to the northern part, you know, away from any of the where the surfers are, and uh, Pihar's very treacherous um, water there for uh, people have to get rescued. Absolutely. It's a dangerous beach. People people drown there every summer, don't they? So um, that whole West Coast uh, beaches area, I actually spend quite a bit of time out there myself um, just, you know, because I'm in proximity to it. Uh, but it is a mysterious place. It's, it's 
you know, the site of a few battles with the Indigenous people, the Maori and so forth. And it's been quite a lot of um, reports of, pol- not poltergeists, sorry, of spectres and things like that being seen on the beaches. And so I'm wondering if your uh, friends from the CE5 um, feel some kind of psychic connection, which are they putting two, to- two and two together? Are they thinking there's a psychic connection between extraterrestrials and us? And, and we, we summon them you know, via, via ESP or? Well, yes. I mean, that's a really good question. Because um, if they are, we've, we've, we've riffed before that um, a lot of these aliens or creatures or whatever could be interdimensional beings in some way and they could travel to our dimension interdimensionally, you know, with the use of wormholes and, and so forth. They're not necessarily all flying here on a spaceship, are they? Well, um, Jacques Vallée has uh, often put forth the hypothesis is that these are interdimensional beings, or at least some of them, not yep. necessarily straight nuts and bolts craft. Uh, also, John John A. Keel, who wrote Mothman Prophecies, which was about the, the Mothman. Mothman sightings in the sure. late 60s, yep. when the Silver Bridge came down. and the, there was What was the name of the town with those Mothman? Uh, Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant, Virginia, wasn't it? I think it was in Virginia. Ah, uh, yeah. I only know that from watching the um, average Richard Gere film on on it. Oh, okay, yeah. The I mean, it wasn't a bad film, but it it wasn't didn't blow my socks off. Well, a, a lot of what it, was it, in that film was what actually happened to uh, Keel himself. Yeah. Because um, I, he had some very, you know, supernatural experiences similar to myself. But one thing he pointed out that is a lot of the people that had experiences in that town with Mothman, about half of them had poltergeist-like encounters. And also George Knapp has mentioned that too when he talked about Skinwalker Ranch. Um, uh, I, um, and it was only for a small period, sort of in the late 60s or early 70s or whenever it was, wasn't it? It was, it was only for a couple of months, is that correct, that the I, Mothman was sighted? I, I don't know what the time period okay. was over. And their bridge collapsed in the town, didn't it? And, and the prophecy of the Mothman was people put two and two together and, and linked one with the other, didn't they? And yes, and apparently he stopped appearing in that area after that occurred. Mm. Do we have any, just shifting away slightly from UFOs and, and turning more to the to the cryptic side of things that we were discussing last week, um, obviously you've got experience with the Moyhow Man and that's that's the quest you're on at the moment is to to give as much information about um, a Bigfoot-like creature, the Moyhow Man, who's said to inhibit um, an area in Coromandel that you visit. Um, do we have any other, uh, I, I don't like to use the word legends on this show, but... Um, any sort of uh, cryptic beast that could be mistaken for an alien visitor or anything in New Zealand. Do you know of any occurrences like that? Any sightings? I mean, I've heard of I've heard of a few people. You know, they've got a few opinions about things they've seen, but where they're actually you know reporting exactly. <laughs> Uh, yes, actually. If they've been economical with the truth is probably the best way to describe it. I, I would be just talking on the top of, top of my head, but yep. Susie Hansen, who runs um, US, UFO Focus. focus yeah. Yes. Um, she's actually collected some very good reports of close encounters on the ground mm. and multiple witnesses. There's some very interesting accounts of, like, fishermen and hunters viewing the same cross and, and also uh, some sort of... Um, beings on the ground too that were they were terrified. I, I can't remember if it was six or seven hunters who went out um, at night and they saw this craft. The craft was eyeballing them, and not far away, these these fishermen saw the same craft. And so it's really neat when you get. Did they see any inhabitants of the craft? Yes. 
um, okay. something something on the ground from my from going from memory, and they were very terrified by what had happened. The Copra Harbour, north uh, of Auckland, part part of the Northland region of New Zealand, um, is quite notorious for UFO activity, actually, and just strange things going on. I remember seeing a TV show about UFOs in New Zealand. I forget the actual name. It's probably going back 15, 20 years now. And I remember an eyewitness report um, actually in the Copra of a man who had to seek shelter away from an alien being that he encountered just walking over the sand dunes um, at a, obviously at, a, at the ocean's edge. Have you ever heard anything like that happen in New Zealand? People just, just blatantly coming across aliens or having sightings in that regard? Yes, there was a lady um, oh, on a farm and I, I can't remember what the location on a farm. Um, she went out um, I think tending, was tending the cattle and there was some kind of being that was watching her and she was very freaked out um, uh, was it the Moreland sighting? Uh, I'm trying to remember the name, the Moreland sighting. Um, there's been a number of things that have happened. Um, earlier around 1905, there's also these mysterious airships that were reported back before we even had planes. Uh, and we're talking in the New Zealand skies, even down mm. here in New Zealand, we've we've had our own, and uh, of course, uh, the, the, the report in, was it 1977, 90, 1978? The Kokora Lights, Lights, I think yes. you're alluding to. Yeah, yes. that was 1978, yeah. Yes. Um, I think we mentioned last week, I'm, I'm trying to track down um, an original or person who was involved in the flight crew, um, sorry, the film crew of the Air New Zealand flight that day. I think the pilots might be deceased now, so they're probably not going to be much use unless we can, uh, if anyone's listening actually and knows anyone connected to the Kaikoura UFO incident in New Zealand uh, 1978, um, yeah, have them contact the show or contact you through Facebook, Occam's Razor Podcast. I think it's facebook.com backslash Occam's Razor Podcast, something like that. We are working on a website. I just haven't got around to it yet, Mark, because I've got a million other things to do. Um, I would be interested in, because, I mean, a lot of people have reported seeing, obviously, anomalous craft and and classic UFOs, as it's described, but not many people... Apart from abductees, whose stories, in my opinion, could probably be taken with a grain of salt, although they do make sense. When Every time I watch one of those uh, catch and release nature tagging shows where they're catching like great white sharks and shoving um, radio trackers into them to, you know, track their mating habits, I start to think that could quite easily be happening to us. And we're, we're, we're the sharks, we're the cattle, we're the sheep, you know. Well, the other reports with abductees that get tagged, to get these. Um do you, be- do you believe the majority of abductees or do you think they're starting from sort of night terrors or um, uh, sleep, you know, problems with their sleep, sleep or paralysis. Yeah, paralysis? Well, I, I had have experienced some of that myself, you yep. know, out-of-body experiences, um, beings in the room as well, um, interdimensional beings, what some people might call ghosts. Some people have seen actually aliens coming through the wall, like, like the wall has no, is no barrier, like they come straight through like a ghost, a typical ghost. So, mm. uh, I I think it's it's possible, quite possible. Um, mm. uh, especially a, when you sorry, when you especially when you see like um, all these reports of cattle mutilations and and things like that. Um, obviously, that's some sort of experimentation. If it is an alien origin, if the, you know the perpetrators are alien. Um, one would surmise that's what they're up to, you know. They're, they're taking core samples from the animal and, in most cases, sucking out their internal organs and blood and stuff. It's kind of like a vampire, isn't it? It is a bit vampiric, yeah. And um, 
you know, and you get the skeptics, basically they'll say, you know, this is what it looks like after um, a bunch of scavengers, you know, birds and, and you know, whatever else eats dead things in, in the in the pasture there, you know, just making their mark. But it doesn't seem to fit with, um, you know, any sort of roadkill or anything like that. It doesn't seem to be, you know, drained completely of blood, you know what I mean, and have such precision hole sort of drilled in it, for lack of a better term, you know. Well, think about it. If somebody's going in there and saying doing some sort of cult thing like witchcraft, I mean, mm. we've had this happen down in the South Island. I received a p- report about four months ago of that kind of thing happening and the military police coming and taking a, a sample a lady had uh, contacted me about. And there was other very strange stuff going on, like uh, uh, like something tried to drown this lady, uh, held her under the water in her swimming pool and very strange stuff. But uh, there are sometimes reports of when uh, people actually um, stay in an area overlooking where the cattle are being taken of lights in the sky just before the uh, cattle get taken or killed and and completely drained of blood. I mean, that's strange. Mm. Uh, Dr. Com Keller over at Skinwalker Ranch, when NIDS was there, they did all these experiments with because the catamulations occurred over there as well. And um, these, these cattle would be butchered and there would be no signs of blood um, underneath the carcass. And they would perform necropsies and, uh, you know, look for any, like, uh, telltale signs amongst all the, uh, you know, you know the re- reproductive oil, uh, organs have been taken and stuff like mm. that. For, for me, I mean, you do get a lot of crazies and wackos, you know, worshipping the devil and sacrificing goats and all this sort of carry on. But there's just far too many reports and the scale is too large of, you know, cows that, this has happened to, to, you know, for it to be isolated to one small group, you know what I mean? Because you're not going to have millions of groups doing this, are you? You know what I mean? It's likely to be one or two sort of fringe lunatics, for lack of a better term, that are, you know. And, and also, cow wouldn't be that easy to mutilate, to be perfectly honest. You'd have to sneak up on it. You'd have to slit its throat. Um, then there would be evidence of that happening, wouldn't they? So. Well, it's risky because you go into there, you mm. don't know if a bull's in there. Absolutely. Especially at night time. Yeah. I mean, we do have accounts of where even, uh, even you know, the typical cow uh, attacks the farm and the farm's killed. That happens every now and again yep. too. What happened last year, I think, in uh, New Zealand, actually a couple of people were trampled to death, um, which is just, it's you don't see that, do you? Um, so I think, as I said, though, I mean, the method to, to kill the cow... Um, you would have to, you know, there would be a lot of blood, there would be a lot of mess, so where's the evidence of that, you know? These the, these wounds are surgical, they're, they're, you know, done with precision Yes. Um, by something or some kind of intelligent force that, that knows what it's doing. Well, there was at one point um, uh, something put out there that, uh, was it Linda Moulton Howe, uh, investigative reporter, there was a thought that, um, that maybe uh, the, um, the, the cows were being sampled for prion disease, which is kind of like a mad cow's disease that can't be killed by cooking and um, where they're being sampled in some way. But wouldn't it be easier to go and go to the local abattoir and test that way? It absolutely would. Than to fly, say, a helicopter, like a, an Put, un- a helicopter out there? Putting on a conspiracy hat on, um, I think if there was some sort of, um, there'd been some sort of selective breeding project, program or these cows had been injected with some sort of uh, man-made virus, not even necessarily man-made, but certainly injected by by man, 
um, lack of a better term, you know, is it an experiment gone wrong? Um, and they have to sort of cover it up and, and provide disinformation by saying, well, you know, this thing's been mutilated. We don't know what happened to it. It just seems the the isolation of the cases, it just doesn't seem to fit with, with any, you know, anything scientific. The scientific method doesn't seem to fit in this occasion. And that's what uh, NIDS, uh, the National Institute for Discovery Science, team was very frustrated by that they used the scientific method but whatever was out there at Skinwalker Ranch was well aware of what they were doing mm. um, there were things that happened that indicated that they were very well aware the intelligence absolutely you seen a UFO yourself yes I've seen uh, multiple um, <laughs> and it was uh, my, my first major one that I had was in 2013 in the southern Nevada desert. I was actually just prospecting. Um, For gold? Or uh, yes. Fossil King, were you? Yeah, well, Fossil King is a <laughs> word. And, uh, yeah. um, and uh, I had this feeling to pull over. Um, I had all my gear on, metal detector. We went up and down this rocky ravine area um, where there had been a lot of mining done and that and I had to make sure that I had gone on no one's claim. So I had claim maps and that. But mm-hmm. I had this feeling to pull over and all of a sudden I see this oblong, for the better word, tic-tac shape UFO that looked like a, a pill capsule vertical flying through the uh, through the small mountain range there. It's highly reflective, well, probably about one o'clock in the afternoon. No, no visible forms of propulsion, not a drone, no wings. Um, How would you size it up? Like, what, what size are we talking? Uh, I'm guessing probably. I'm guessing probably about the size of a bus, or maybe a bit smaller. Okay. And then there were. Um, I was. I hyperventilated because I was like, I was freaked out. I couldn't. But do you think it was kind of sort of scouting drone or? Yeah. Well, I. It landed. I was trying to find where it landed. I. Mm. I was like the Travis Walton. I was. <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. I wanted to know what what the heck had happened, what Mm -hmm. they were. So I tried to find the area where it went down. I couldn't find it. Maybe somehow it camouflaged itself. Who knows? But when I was going out, there were two strange people that approached my car that was parked right on this remote, um, by this remote um, desert area. They pulled, this car pulled up, and these two people that were tall, thin, at least six foot tall, Got, went up towards my car and I was approaching my car. They didn't see me, but they they looked in my car windows before, just before they left the area. It was kind of really weird. Okay, and so, they weren't police or anything? No, no, they were all, all tan. Um, they had, like, head coverings. So I don't know if they're connected, but it was kind of really suspect. So you're heading towards the sort of the Nordic alien? Or, are, we, are, we, are we talking men in black here, is it? Um, no, maybe tall whites. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the tall whites. Yeah. Um, it could. I mean, I mentioned this to uh, Misha Johnson over in uh, Las Vegas. She said, "Oh, that might be the tall whites," but I, I don't know. Mm. I wouldn't. If I would have been five minutes sooner, I would have bumped straight into them. Mm. So I wonder what would have happened. I'm always wondering. Sounds like you're describing a slender man. Well, they, <laughs> which yeah. we talked about in episode two of Occam's Razor with uh, with Niall. That was going back a little bit. Sorry, I've gone off track again. Well, they're, they're curious to who I was or who whose car was parked out in that area. Why did I see them right after this craft had landed? Hmm. And that was like, I mean, I flew drones. So <laughs> what kind of vehicle did they have? Uh, it was like a Jeep, um, tan-coloured Jeep ch- uh, Cherokee kind of vehicle. Okay. Did, could they have been private security like Wacken Hut or one of those companies that uh, it, they, they're known to, to guard 
US defense installations, aren't why, they? Why, why test in, on uh, public land, though? That, to mm. me, seems highly risky. Now, I did hear gunshots just before this thing flew through the mountain, so I don't know if that was connected. I did put a report um, um, into one of the UFO reporting centres in um, Henderson there, not far away, but I was freaked out after that. Uh, I was, like, my heart was beating, and I actually did a video. I couldn't get my camera out fast enough. Mm. It was like Murphy's Law. I, you know, it would have been a really great um, shot of a UFO, a clear daylight sighting. It had no sound. There were, later on in the day, there had been um, there had been a, a plane, small private plane, and a helicopter. I heard them very clearly, and they were further away than this this craft was. This thing made no sound. Okay, because that's often quite rep- that's reported often, isn't it? The a craft making no sound, which obviously gives it an unearthly feel. Yes. Because you look up when you see something in the sky, you expect to make a noise, you know, unless it's a hot air balloon. Well, especially if they're, if they're going faster than the speed of sound, mm. there should be a sonic. How can you measure the speed of sound, though? Well, Is that a summation from you? Or? Well, I... Um I did a measurement of my sighting, um, well, my capture, was sighting slash capture over in the Coromandel in 2017 by Mount Mahoy there, um, that capture which you saw. Those craft, I, I basically did a measurement in Google Earth. I had the footage and I measured the area where I saw them and the distance with the time, and then I was able, that's how I was able to estimate how fast um, these craft were going. And the camera barely caught them. One of the sources does a flip. Yeah, I have seen the video. For anyone, is it available publicly or is it something you're keeping under wraps? Um, it, there's a small sliver of it. Um, uh, if you, they go to the Guardian Building video, um, um, go to hauntedman.net at the top YouTube um, link up there. The Guardian Building video investigation, I actually have a sliver of that footage. This saucer does a flip, mid air flip, travelling like you know, three times the speed of sound. My camera barely caught it. Mm. It's like one fifth of the second. This saucer does a flip, almost like to show off. Um, and it's, it's amazing. And uh, along with the other footage, there's these balls of light. There's other sources that are moving throughout this valley. I mean, it's amazing. In the short amount of time, actually, I showed this to Roger Stanovich, um, um, actually, not too long after that happened. Yeah. And um, what was what was his impressions? Um, well, he noticed that there was some sort of energy field around it, almost... It's almost, I don't know if it was some sort of displacement field by whatever forms of propulsion, like anti-gravity or whatever. Mm. A bit like what Bob Lazar's been talking yeah. about recently. I mean, if you go to The like, bowling ball effect. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you go to like the gimbal video or those any of those other videos that just recently came out, like through the New York Times and that, um, you could see there's some sort of field around the craft. Um, that the the infrared um, the um, those high end has it got a heat signature to it or um, or one of those um, one of the the craft does have a heat signature um, I believe black shows hot on the um, Raytheon system um, is that like a flare camera or? yes it's a flare okay. that they use for chasing planes and locking sure, missiles yeah. and all that because I saw one of those. Um, UFO investigation shows, and they went into the 
into the extraterrestrial highway sort of area in the States um, and they set up those, one of those cameras. Well, actually more. They had like about four of them sort of operating out of a out of a mobile home or a sort of big van sort of thing. Um, they catch some pretty awesome images, eh? With the, um, just the, well, the, the distance that, you know, they can cover with them and, you know, the recognition of heat signatures and things like that. And they picked up some quite interesting things. Um, most of it you could probably attribute to wildlife and, you know, they're in an area where there's a lot of vast openness where you're going to have a few beasts running around and things like that. But there was some things, some some anomalies that made you think twice. Yeah, I, I mean, I did, when I was looking over at Aero 51, I actually had something that was moving the speed of a meteorite, but it did like a 90 degrees turn before it went down below the horizon. Mm-hmm. And this is right over by the test site area. I was doing some reading today. It's interesting you mention uh, the Tic Tac UFO because that's the shape of one of them that's come out uh, one, of, one of these recent Navy releases uh, that we, we touched on at the top of the show. Um, it's been a fellow, a bit of a professional debunker, guy with military ties has come out this week, I think, actually, and he says that Tic Tac... I'll do that again. The Tic Tac technology um, has been around since the 1990s, and he believes it's a, it's a you know a black project. It's a US um, space project, and he reckons that Elon Musk and all these other people know about the the program, and and that the DoD has released um, the information. Um, basically, just it was about to be leaked. Someone someone had the was going to do an Edward Snowden. The DOD decided to release the info and throw it out there to um, dispel all the other conspiracy theorists. But again, is this? It doesn't seem to fit, though, does it? They just the Navy just. I don't see why they would go out of their way to release a video to deflect everyone's attention from their other projects. Everybody knows that they've got black projects in production with with Lockheed and God knows who else, DARPA and all these other, <laughs> other all these shadowy sort of organisations. Um, not all government organisations, obviously, but, but you know, uh, companies in the commercial sector with strong government ties and contracts and things like that. I just, it just seems like a lot of a lot of work to throw that sort of thing out to deflect people away from them having this tic tac technology and people knowing about it. Well, if you've got an ace card, you're going to keep it until World War Three or something, aren't you? Well, why, why reveal it? Mm, well, the skeptic actually said, "Sorry, I've got his name here somewhere. I just can't seem to find it." He basically refutes all the um, the the commander David uh, is it Fravor? Fra- Fravor. Fravor. Yeah, he's, he's basically disputing everything he's come out. But you know. This guy wasn't there at the same time. He's, you know, a professional sceptic by the sounds of things. Um, you know, and those sort of people don't like to be wrong. Or well, can he prove what, what the, that craft is? If it, if no. it is, then, no, he can't. Then it's just a theory. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I think the kicker for me, though, is the technology that is displayed by this craft on the gimbal video and on the Nimitz videos from back in. 2004, I think it was, wasn't it? That got released sort of seven or eight years later. Yes, no, it's your 2004. Yeah. We don't currently, when I say we, I mean humans don't currently have that sort of technology available. Not that I'm aware of and the general populace is aware of anyway. It would have to be have some element of reverse engineering to it for it to be breaking the laws of physics. Well, look, you have these these highly trained fighter pilots that uh, that have to be able to identify other craft, and they don't know what it is. And I remember David Fraber, Commander Fraber, said that, uh, "Boy, I would like to be able to fly that thing myself." Mm. 
But that thing just I went right off the, the tracking camera. Yeah. Uh, and uh, nothing non can do that. It didn't look natural, did it? It's probably the best to describe it. I mean, it was flying sideways into a wind, yeah. wasn't it? And I saw a video where uh, someone had done like a 3D effect to it. I saw it that like, pop up on yeah. Facebook or something, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, almost like a saucer. They did a rendering yeah. of it so you could see it, yeah. Yeah, remember Lazar talked about the saucers that would mm. that angle on the side yep. before they took off? Yep. That's right. They wouldn't They wouldn't fly horizontally, would they? They'd, they'd basically flip on top of each other. So they wouldn't fly horizontal, they'd, they'd flip vertically. And that's how they sort of made their way through time space and everything, isn't it? So you think if we had that technology, wouldn't we use that to go to Saturn and, you know? You would think so, but obviously... I mean, how much money that could save than using rocket fuel? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this this clumbersome technology that we have now. Mm. I mean, and I think that's actually why, you know, Robert Bigelow was really trying to find out um, about these craft. Yeah. I think um, we need to... Get an insider, don't we? On the show, we need to I'm we need sure. to find someone who's Roger. Not, Roger. Yeah, exactly. If, if we get if we weren't having technical problems with Skype, we'd actually have Roger on the show. Um, he's he's frittering away somewhere in Sydney. Maybe he's having some bushfire issues. Oh yes, yes. I'm I'm wondering if that's what's going on because oh. it's very strange. Roger's a very methodical person. Yes. It's very strange for him not to message us back, um, or even come on the show when he when he was scheduled to. So we'll get to the bottom of that, and we all hope that there's no problem there because uh, I was speaking to another friend in Sydney who said the bushfires are getting pretty close, uh, and I know Roger lives sort of outside the city, but more oh, semi-rurally maybe, as well. Maybe you had to evacuate. Mm. I'm not. thinking it might have something to do with it, oh. but we'll soon find out. Actually. Just as I said that, Roger's just come on the line. So we're going to play a little bit of music from, this is another scary sounds of Ghosts in the Darkness from the Haunted Forest. Got a good reception that last week, so we'll play a bit of that while we tee up Skype. And we'll be back soon with Roger Stankovich from MUFON. We'll see you soon. How good was that? The Cult, East FM 88.1, 107.1. You're on the Occam's Razor show. It's usually the Occam's Razor podcast, but we've turned this into a radio show. I'm Jim Birchall. I'm here with uh, paranormal investigator Mark Capel. And we're still having technical problems with our friend in Sydney, Roger Stankovic from MUFON. So just in the meantime, while we get him back on the hook, uh, Mark's just going to talk a little bit about his website, hauntedman.net, um, and what's gone up on there recently. Okay, well, um, there's a little bit there uh, on my website uh, regarding ufology, some of the things that I've um, captured myself. Uh, you can actually go to my uh, YouTube channel through that link and uh, you can see uh, there's one video on there, um, one that I talked about a little bit earlier tonight, uh, where this um, thing that looks like a meteorite but does like a 90 degree turn, this is like within a split second, so whatever it was, was moving very fast. I do have um, some videos. I, I have uh, also some videos on some of my... Um, uh, my Bigfoot research that I've been doing. I have an area that I've been going to for the past well, about three years now um, where I found footprints. I've um, gotten um, bipedal approaches, the feelings of being watched, uh, different strange voices, um, strange symbols on a tree. Um, what sort of symbols? Well, there's one that's kind of like the, looks like kind of like the Eye of Horus. And this is right in the area that has all the strange activity going on. And I actually um, 
when I went out there one time, I actually took some photos, and there's something up the tree that's highly reflective, and the fork of a tree almost looks like it's peeking through this fork of the tree. I don't know what it is. It's it's in one of my um, recent videos um, that I have um, there on Haunted Man. Um, but there's a lot of strange things happened now during the stuff that has been going on out in New Zealand bush here um, when I talked about the the Coromandel UFOs that I happened to capture on on camera um, a number number of anomalous craft um, some doing um, be, beyond mark 3 no sonic boom um, going behind hills showing they're not insects in front of the lens uh, there's no wings there's no forms of propulsion um, quite interesting some of them are shooting past each other one's like hovering Ring and of course Jim's seen this footage and uh, I've kept um, the most of the, the footage is actually unwrapped under wraps for this documentary that I've been um, um, acquiring the footage slowly um, as so, sounds like we've got a Skype coming in one second yeah can you hear me we've got you we're, right. we're <laughs> we finally got there we're actually live on the air at the moment rogers so we're, oh. go, we're gonna just have to keep talking on uh, east fm 88.1 107.1 you're on the occam's razor uh show radio show i keep kind of call it the occam's razor podcast but we've moved up in the world mark Roger Stankovic is the Australasian director for the Mutual UFO Network. Uh, we were worried you'd been engulfed by uh, some bushfires, Roger. Bush. Was that yeah. the case? Yeah, they're not they're not around here, thank God. I, I know there's about um, about sixty four fires and um, still uh, that are in New South Wales and Queensland, and about forty of them out of control, and about a million hectares that's 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 burning up right now. But um, I've got these really bad allergies from them. That's as as bad as I'm suffering from them. <laughs> no, geez. well, yeah, you should count your lucky stars, I suppose. We've yeah, um, exactly. we've had a bit of a catch-all show uh, tonight. We just want to get your um, impressions. We did speak briefly a couple of weeks ago, Roger, but uh, not on this show, just in regards to the, the gimbal videos been released and videos from the USS Nimitz um, that came out back in uh, 2011, I think from an incident in 2004. Just the, I was hoping to speak with you as, as a learned uh, investigator of uh, ufology. What's the um, feeling within the UFO community about, you know, the authenticity of these videos? Um, well, I... I, I from from her, from a few people that I've spoken to in MUFON um, and MUFON in general um, find these these videos very credible. Um, there's been a study done by um, uh, uh, one of the prominent researcher in, in MUFON um, by the name of uh, Robert Powell, and he did a he did a um, is he in, is he in the US, Roger? Or? Yes, he's in yes. the US. Okay. Yeah, um, he he did a um, a paper on the actual um, the actual whole incident um, under the uh, the scientific coalition for ufology. So um, he did a he did a paper on on the actual on the whole whole incident, and he um, was working with um, a few other people um, in that coalition. Usually. Uh, these are special people that are specialised in MUFON that have got PhDs that have either engineers or um, uh, uh, scientific people that he's working with that help him um, investigate um, uh, incidents like these. Which um, and he he's come to the conclusion that um, uh, well I've got his paper here. Uh, his conclusion is that um, basically that these these things um, 
Actually, I'll read it to you. I'll read you that. Oh, yeah, conclusion. Oh, just, just a question, um, uh, ro- just a question uh, Roger, before you start. Which um, um, objecting belt with this paper? Are we talking about the the gimbal, oh, go fast, or the? Um, yeah, I think I think when see it's got it's got no date on this publication, but um, I think he's probably talking about the gimbal one. So it it could be that was the. That was the one that was taken off the coast of Florida. Uh, but he, he's talking about the Nimitz one as well. But um, so there were three videos. There's the the Nimitz one, which was 2004, the gimbal, which is 2015, and the GoFast in 2015. So he's talking about the USS Nimitz one here and a bit about the gimbal one as well. And he's they're just saying that um, uh, they did some calculations on the on the on the um, the speed of these craft, and basically they were saying that um, uh, they, you know, like the, the aircraft wouldn't um, couldn't stand, like the, the aircraft would disintegrate uh, due to the g forces and uh, uh, involved in these uh, the, the way these craft are moving and how fast you know they were travelling at, and um, basically also obviously the the occupants would be um, would be squashed and um, uh, yeah so. A bit like when you see the uh, pilots going through, the, or the astronauts going through their G-force routines with the big, um, big, big chair that swings oh, around a million miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah. Well, those G-forces are you know minuscule compared to the ones that um, uh, they calculated in the. Because I, yeah, I was reading that uh, that any um, you know human craft, for lack of a better term, would would be crushed like a tin can, really. Yeah, uh, wouldn't subject right. to that sort of um, g-force. Yeah, um, well, they were saying that there, there's a few um, uh, characteristics of these uh, UAVs or whatever they call. I keep on, I like to call them UFOs, but they've they've changed the name um, just to get the stigma away from uh, the the UFO acronym. Yeah. Um, but um, basically, um, they were saying that there's there's they actually don't have any acceleration. They actually start from from hover and then and then and then go to speed without any acceleration. I don't know how that how they can actually do that, but um, you know that they're, they're so quick that um, basically uh, there's no acceleration. It's instant acceleration. So like instant acceleration and you know the G forces associated with that are absolutely phenomenal. And some of them have been clocked at going 32,000 kilometers an hour, which is even faster than a meteorite. You know, it's, it's phenomenal. So it's pretty hard to explain then. Yeah. Um, well, you know, um, uh, basically, uh, they're they're saying in this paper that um, you know, there's there's nothing on Earth that we've got here that that could account for um, the characteristics, the, the flight characteristics of these these objects. So. Absolutely. We um, just just before you came on here, we touched on the uh, Tic Tac UFO, and I came across a post on. You might even be part of the group, Roger. One of those UFO um, research groups that you find on Facebook. I'm I'm a member of so many of them. I can't exactly <laughs> can't quite yes, remember so exactly which one it was. Um, but a fellow on there today was talking about Tic Tac, and he said that it was a he shed she shed situation. But he basically said yep. um, he had a fellow with some DOD links, um, and he. He's advanced the theory that these things have been around since the 1990s, and they're of you know they're of uh, terrestrial origin, um, and they're a secret you know black project. Um, this guy, I did a little bit of digging into him though, and uh, you know he makes a lot of posts that would probably be considered 
Um, well, we would certainly have him signed up for the Skeptic Society, put it that way. So, you know, he may have a vested interest or an axe to grind or at least an agenda or something like that. But, um, yeah. you know, it's not out of the realms of possibility. Obviously, we all know about uh, black projects. But I think someone put it best when they said, even if we had that technology available, um, it would have to have some sort of element of uh, reverse engineering to even get it to that stage. You know, it's something that's been in development for the past 30 or 40 years at least. Yeah, um, I completely agree with you. I mean, basically, uh, if they are saying that they're terrestrial, um, you know, um, my idea would be, well, if there's an inkling of that, um, they'd have to be, you know, reverse engineered. I mean, how could they develop the technology um and there's also the, the you know the question of um, what were they doing there at the time, um, you know like if, if they are terrestrial, mm. if they are you know the United owned by the United States or any other country, well then what what are they actually doing there? Well, is it a case of these the projects are so secretive that they're above? You know the pay grades of of the um, you know ship commanders and so forth, so they didn't have any prior knowledge of any of these things out on manoeuvres or, or test flights or whatever you want to call them? Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that um, in, in Unidentified, um, Luis Alessandro uh, had had um, spoken to a guy who was who had worked in Skunk Works at Lockheed Martin for quite some time, and he he has inside knowledge as to what, what is actually um, being developed at the moment. Obviously, he's he's under secrecy for a lot of this stuff, but he's he's just, saying sorry, that Roger, basically just, just, there's absolutely no way. Mm. Sorry, Roger. Just for those who don't know, can you explain who Luis Elizondo is? Well, Luis Elizondo was um, he was he was in charge of the um, uh, AATIP, um uh, for for um, since two thousand and nine, and he resigned. Um, uh, because he wasn't happy with um, what was going on there, and um, basically he was at the, the actual guy who was in charge of um, uh, uh, looking at uh, unidentified flying objects um, uh, in that in the time period from 2009 to 2017 yep. um, under um, uh, the Department of Defence and the Pentagon. Um, so. Yeah, so he was. I think a lot of people know about him. Have heard his name, but um, is he? Yeah. Is he one of these guys that gets sort of trundled out on every UFO show you see, or is he? Is he a bit more clandestine than that? Oh, he, he's he's featured widely on Unidentified and uh, the, the the program Unidentified, and um, he he was sort of like the, uh, the the crux behind the whole thing being. Um, reported by initially by the New York Times and, and also um, Politico, uh, which is a, a, a major uh, newspaper in, in the uh, United States. So basically, um, it was due to his resignation that all, all of this virtually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, the you know the Pentagon uh, had and the Navy had admitted that these these objects were um, real and unidentified flying objects. And um, But if, I think that if, if Luis Elizondo hadn't resigned uh, from AATIP, um, uh, this probably wouldn't have come to the public eye as quickly as what it did. Um, 
because it was only a few months after I think he, he resigned that um, it was reported by the New York Times. Uh, why, why did he resign, Roger? Was any sort of anything nefarious behind it? Or? No, I think he's, he's mentioned a couple of things. Um, I, I can't, um, for the life of me, I can't remember exactly why he, he'd resigned, but it was like, yeah, I think he was objecting to this, the, uh, the, the overall, the, like, too much secrecy about what was going on and not enough um, disclosure going on and um, and basically uh, the fact that um, yeah he, he was frustrated he wasn't getting anywhere because basically um, there, there was too much um, you know not enough going out to the public in terms of um, uh, you know uh, what what these UFOs were that they were looking at um, and, and uh, so, Roger, it's true, isn't it, that um, Harry, uh, former Senator Harry Reid had been involved um, in the project, this black project, to um, r- um, get funds to analyse um, all this uh, these anomalous craft. Yep. Yeah, uh, Harry Reid was involved and so was, um, uh, there, there was another senator, um, in a way, I forgot his first name, um, and uh, there was John Glenn was also involved. Um, so there, there were a couple of senators at least, and, and John Glenn, um, the former astronaut, um, and uh, Stevens was another guy. And um, basically, I think Stevens was a, a senator who'd actually seen the UFO when he was a pilot. So um, Harry Reid and a few, uh, yeah, they all got together and said, look, um, there's, we think there's something to this phenomenon. Um, let's do something about it and let's... Um, Get some black, you know, money funding to to um, kickstart this uh, what was called ORSAP at that stage, um, and then it morphed into um, AATIP. So um, yeah, um, so this is the first acknowledged um, UFO program that um, uh, had uh, been kickstarted before, uh, just I mean after the closure of Project Blue Book. Um, in 1969 so I'm sure that there's well I, I don't know for sure but I mean uh, it, it, it begs to believe that you know there could be more projects out there that even before you know like WhatsApp had, had um, been initiated that, that were out there being funded by, by black money you know. I just want to throw this um, over to Mark uh, for a moment. Mark, have you had any dealings where, when you're in the US doing your investigations and so forth? Have you had any dealings with um, you know people at their level, whistleblowers from the aerospace industry or anything like that? Uh, I haven't. With well, do any of these people join the groups that you I, join? I did um, talk to um, oh, I'm trying to remember his name now. Um, he helped um, do the study over at Skinwalker Ranch and uh, oh, uh, Colonel um, John Alexander. John Alexander, yeah. Yeah, I actually went up to him at the end of a conference and I asked him, um, do you know about the Philadelphia Project? And he looked at me like, uh, why are you asking me about that? Because uh, he was in charge of um, uh, non-lethal uh, weapon systems. So I would think you know, he he was you know heavily involved the Skinwalker Ranch and probably also the uh, the Defence um, Intelligence Agency uh, study over at Skinwalker too that were, they were studying these anomalies a similar craft was seen over there too just like uh, the uh, naval pilots had seen. Yeah, that would have been NIDS, wouldn't it? Yes. 
needs, yeah. And then the second study um, that, that I talked to Jim uh, earlier tonight about um, the um, DIA or the Defence Intelligence Agency had been involved in a second study from 2007 on, which involved actually uh, Harry Reid's money that he had um, um, set aside for this, this study. Uh, was actually over at Skinwalker Ranch because that was like a ground-based study. Things mm. were happening right by the ground there, which was phenomenal. Mm. All the things that were happening. Roger, I just want to shift tack a little bit. Um, every time you come on, um, obviously we introduce you as the uh, in your role within uh, MUFON. Um, just want to know: has the amount of recorded UFO incidents that the lack of a better term, come across your desk. Uh, has that increased, decreased, stayed about the same in, in you know, r- light of recent disclosures and events? Has, uh, no, has the whole movement, in, you know, it's stayed about increased? the same, really. Um, yes. I haven't really seen any major shift in UFO reports. I think that, you know, just, which is, I suppose, makes it sound a bit more credible. I suppose people are just, you know, like, see what they see and they report it when they see it. They're not... Um, I don't know whether they're particularly out there in the night looking yeah. for them. Um, do you you know, get, like, sorry, do you get your referrals through, um, you know, through the Air Force or anything like that? Do people go to them first and then get referred to you or do they just sort of Google MUFON as an organisation and, and find you're the man to speak with? Yeah, most of the time they're going to Google MUFON up or just report a UFO and we come up sort of like, at the top of the page and and then they learn about MUFON that way and then just put the report through but occasionally we do get reports from um, you know like they'll, they'll go and see the police force or they'll go and see the police or they'll go and see you know talk to the air force and they'll get nowhere probably yeah. and then they might get referred to us you know? you're, you're like this one Roger this week I actually last week I I'm um, I write at the newspaper just for people who don't know and I made an inquiry I was I was being a little bit facetious but I contacted the police uh, media people and said who do I direct uh, inquiries about UFO sightings to is there a dedicated uh, person within the police department that, that handles that they came back with no there isn't a dedicated uh, person and they had no idea who to contact in regards to that um, I did mention you know maybe the Air Force is probably a, a better bet given that we're dealing with aerial phenomena um, yeah. but yeah I was kind of given a little bit of a brush off and you know looked looked at funny so to speak so have you have you ever have you ever been met with you know similar brick walls when when dealing with the authorities in regards to ufos um i i've i've made a couple of inquiries inquiries uh with police officers um basically when we get a report um uh, like I, I got a report from from Perth once uh, a while ago, and there was a lady that reported a UFO, and um, uh, I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were. It was a while ago, uh, but I eventually contacted the police, but they they weren't resist. They they like they knew what UFOs were. They sort of like uh, couldn't help me, but they weren't you know like. Uh, negative about the whole thing um, and also I've, I've contacted um, uh, air traffic uh, control tower, uh, you know people mm. um, and uh, often you hit a little bit of a brick wall with them but they'll they'll you know like come up come up and say oh you know like it, it was probably some sort of um, other thing that was in the air at the time and um, yeah so um, they'll usually come up with an excuse as to what 
why we saw. They do tend to um, saw whatever they saw. In my experience, they do tend to um, shut up shop quite quite quickly. Whether that's um, because you know they're in a government position and they're afraid of you know being laughed at for for which is you know it does happen. You know a lot of people keep their secrets to themselves, and, and you know I'm sure you did when you had your UFO sighting when you're you're a child. I remember you telling me you yeah. ran in and told your family, but you didn't broadcast it all around town, did you? No, no, I haven't. Yeah. I still haven't reported. I've mentioned it. You have, you have me, now, Roger. Your secrets out. Yeah. I, I've never. But yeah, I've never reported it to no. um, to to anyone to any uh, society, uh, any UFO society. What about, what, what about you, Mark? When you see some strange phenomena, do you, do you ever contact the authorities? Um, yes, I, I contacted the New Zealand police, the the Eagle that does the helicopter police helicopter. Sure, yeah. And uh, because uh, one night we actually saw a, tr- a triangular vehicle along with trailing lights in the sky. This is in Weymouth around 2017. The police helicopter actually went down by them. And so I contacted the police, the mm. Eagle crew, and they never got back to me. But I actually caught it on video. I can't say for sure whether it was Chinese lanterns, but Chinese lanterns do supposed to rise, and these things are moving horizontally, not... Um, and also you said they were triangular? Once, so. the first one was triangular, and there was a trail of lights following them. Mm. Um, and this is going through a rural area. I don't know about you guys. Every time I hear triangular UFO, I think of the Phoenix Lights. Uh, quite a, yeah. fam- oh, a yes. famous case in the yeah. US. Yes. Um, was that because I remember the Navy put out some cock and bull excuse about um, letting off flares or something like that? Their, yeah. their official explanation was was but pretty. The, the flares were were put out um, after I think the actual yeah. UFO was sighted, so it was the wrong timing. Yep. Well, if it was flares, uh, they would have had to have travelled pretty far because I, I had talked to a witness over in Henderson, Nevada, who also saw those lights. So they travelled over um, Nevada into Arizona, according to this. Witness. And just the sheer size of the, the craft, because people saw the lights and then they saw the outline or the black shadow of, of a... The, star, the stars yeah. were blotted out, so I don't know how flares can block out stars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've always struggled with that one because it, it, it's, um, you know, it's a famous case and you see it on a lot of, you know, shows on the History Channel and things like that. So, yeah. um, and a lot of people saw it. That was the difference with it, wasn't it? A lot of oh, people saw it. Of witnesses, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, usually there's one or two, and then you know, everyone looks at them a bit funny and says, "Whatever, bro," you know. Well, but um, either, uh, when you got a whole town involved, you know. Well, the governor, yeah. even Fife Symington saw it as well. Even that's he right. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and he actually yeah. pulled a spoof uh, news conference. One of his uh, <laughs> one of his uh, um, workers came out dressed as an alien and kind of made a joke. That's about it. I think I remember yeah. seeing that now, yeah. and I, I was yeah. actually pretty unimpressed by it. Yes. I was like. Yeah, we've got the alien here or something, and, the, and yeah, all these gullible reporters yeah. were all waiting for it, and then this guy walks out in a suit and just makes a big joke out of it. But then, he later said that he did that because he he wanted to calm everybody down, just you know, like put a you know put a, a humor humorous spin on it. Yeah. Um, but he later then said that you know he he admits he saw that what you know everyone else saw. So, you know. That that's a recurring theme with uh, news media. I find I don't know what it's like in Australia or in the US, um, Roger, but um, in New Zealand anyway, every time there's a UFO story or, or similar, um, you know, the news presenters get a smirk on their face and they start playing yeah, X-Files yeah. music in the background and this sort of thing. it just turns into a big joke and it's sort of, if you're just going to make a joke out of it, why is it on the news, you know? 
Yeah, I think they're getting a little bit more serious now. Um, yep. uh, recently, with the you know the um, the, the Nimitz sightings and um, you know the, the USS Princeton sightings, they're sort of like um, starting to get a little bit more serious. Uh, and in the states too, you'll see um, quite a few popular anchor people, like um, oh, I forgot his name now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're, they're, they're actually there's a lot of people that are you know quite popular anchormen uh, and women who are very interested in UFOs because um, there has been people in the media and and you know in the entertainment world who have cited UFOs. I think Muhammad Ali said he saw one once, didn't he? All right. Yeah, and, um, and I saw a post another post on Facebook. I shouldn't keep relying on Facebook for all my info, but I saw John Lennon um, describing the UFO yes. sort of in 1974 yes. or 5. And President Reagan as well. That's right, yeah, Reagan did. And I think Jimmy Carter oh, might have yeah. even seen Carter. it as well, yeah. Well, there's quite a few politicians and um, people in the entertainment industry that have seen UFOs and, and, and you know, like it's, it's well known that they, you know, obviously Tom DeLong as well, you know. Mm. Yeah. What um, do you make of... Um, this Tom DeLong. Do you think it's sort of just a whole entertainment package and an image he's sort of cultivating, or do you think there's some serious research there? Or I think Tom's very, very serious on UFOs. Yep. Um, you know, like he's obviously he's got involved to a great degree now, and he's spoken to 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 people, um, you know, to officials that you know, like he hasn't disclosed who he's spoken to. I mean, initially he, you know, he he, he got involved. Uh, he, he did a lot. He did a lot of digging, and he, you know, um, I suppose, in a way, he was he was uh, partly responsible for for this um, disclosure of the USS Nimitz and, and Princeton incident to a certain degree, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't, um, what I think I it think needs is is um, someone to you know, someone in entertainment or you know, a celebrity in inverted commas, to take this thing by the scruff of the neck and, you know, the disclosure movement and really push it amongst, um, you know, the YouTube generation and, the, you know, yeah. millennials using Instagram and all that sort of thing because, you know, it could become a trendy sort of woke cause, couldn't it, for uh, for even to get involved and, you know, but that's the only way you're going to get, you know, resolution on this thing if people keep asking questions repeatedly, you know, over and over and over until yeah. people responsible for giving the answers to that sort of cave-in, for lack of a better term. My understanding, too, is that uh, to the Stars Academy, uh, that uh, which Tom DeLong is um, part of, that they want to um, study some uh, metamaterials that they've got their hands on, so it's supposedly um, metals from, from craft, and I'm not sure how they obtain these. But, um, but yeah, I think... I think they've been donated. The the uh, Ten Stars Academy has been donate has been donated. Well, they've been given these materials from various sources. And Jacques Vallee was um, interested in metamaterials or pieces of crashed UFOs for quite some time. Um, and also, there's um, Hal Putoff and um, uh, and a few others have have this research organisation where they they're studying them. Um, uh, I think it's uh, I can't remember the name of the I think it's Earth Tech International or something like that and it's got a research division which is looking at um, metamaterials so um, yeah um, and, and obviously Bigelow as well with his hangar you know he's been given 
better materials to, to study. Did um, anything ever come out of... Now, the vehicle that was picked up at the end of the 80s, was that Narrabore Plains incident, or is that the one I'm talking about? Oh, the the car? The family, and they were picked up and shook by, by something, yeah. The Knowles, yeah. yeah. Did, um, well, I, sorry, I, mean, I remember that. The car yeah. was involved, and it was just lifted, apparently lifted up off the road and then put back down again, um, and it blew a couple of tyres or something mm. like that, and they found some dust on it or something that, like that's that. What I was, that's what I was getting towards, the... Yeah. They dust, um, and I heard conflicting stories that it was tested by who knows, um, and you know it had some, and you know it wasn't it was an unknown of unknown origin, you know, particularly on Earth, and the element well, that was there was found only wasn't like, um, like as you say that that like a, a residue left over, but yep. you really. You know, like it wasn't any sort of part of the craft or anything like mm. that. So. Okay, so there was there was nothing fell off the craft, or no, I don't think no so. alien no. ball bearings or anything like that bouncing around. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. But and I don't know. I don't know where these men materials are coming from that they're getting. I yeah. suppose people see a craft and they see something dropped or something like that, and then they say, oh, that could be a piece of the craft, or it could be something that's come off the craft or whatever." Mm. Um, and then they then they donate that and say, look, I saw this, you know, or it could be something that the military. I mean, I don't know whether there were, you know, whether the 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 Roswell crash was involved and in that they found, mm. you know, part of a craft, the craft that was um, you know crashed in Roswell, and they were testing some of that. I don't really know. They're not really saying much. Who's in who's in possession? Excuse my ignorance. Who's in possession of these materials at the moment? The meta materials. Uh, well, Bigelow to a certain degree, and yep. also um, the Earth Tech International Research Division. So that involves Hal Putoff, and it involves um, people like uh, uh, Davies. I forgot his uh, 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 I've got his first name now. Um, but there's, there's various researchers that are looking at the metamaterials in in, in uh, a project called Adam, um, and basically, um, yeah, Adam standing standing for the acquisition of data analysis of materials. So basically, it's an academic research project focused on analysis of these materials, and um, uh, I think it's it's probably funded. Oh, who is it funded by? Um, it could be funded by some of the money that that went into ATIP, um, uh, but there's no publications. I've looked at their website and they haven't had any publications. They're just saying that uh, uh, they, they found material which is metamaterial. In, in other words, um, it's not that the elements are different from anything on Earth. It's just that the way the metamaterial is constructed with layers of of metal. Um, apparently, there's there's one that's got bismuth and uh, a very thin layer of bismuth and then a, a thin layer of uh, another material um, which I can't remember and, and they're sort of like layered in a way that uh, you can't it, it costs a huge amount of money to actually construct that particular type of metamaterial on earth and it's sort of like it has properties which are unusual in the sense that um, uh, you can actually um, you can uh, do a computer analysis on the actual structure, and it 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 um, it might sort of like resonate at a, a particular uh, uh, hertz, you know, like uh, and emit emit something that um, you know, like it's got some sort of property about it that um, that that warrants investigation in terms of um, 
with construction. So. Okay, is it an alloy or is it a, a straight metal or? I think it's 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 uh, from what they were saying it was it's it's a straight metal and the, 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 the they were looking at isotopes at one stage as well. Mm-hmm. So um, various isotopes of various metals exist on Earth that um, uh, like. That, that are characteristic of Earth, but if you find something with a different isotope that is not found on Earth, well, then you know it could come from a meteorite or could come from outer space somewhere. Well, you know, they, um, just depends upon how old and you know, that element is. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, be interesting to see what comes out of that. Anyway, we've got yeah, two, we've yeah. got two minutes left, Roger, before we uh, we let you go back on the other side of the Tasman. Um, just wanted to just end the show basically um, any events coming up for MUFON and how, how do people get involved if they're interested in um, researching UFOs and, and perhaps even becoming a field investigator yeah um, so if you, if you go to our website um, so if you, if you put just just Google up MUFON um, you, can, you can go into our website and uh, there's various ways of getting involved you can become a member um, and basically just a passive member um, we, we do have we, 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 we have the occasional meet, meeting and we have a sem- we have occasional seminars we usually involve other UFO groups as well um, <clears throat> I gave a seminar in July recently um, with, a, with, a, with a couple a couple hundred people um, and basically uh, so we, we, we're, we're sort of like we're a bit we're small at the moment but we're trying to grow um, in the United States it's quite big but you, you can get involved in various ways by becoming a member or or, or uh, you can become more active by, by uh, becoming a field investigator uh, the field investigator courses is quite um quite intensive you've got to buy the manual and you've got to go through the the, the training and everything uh and, and we train you it costs a bit of money to just to join and whatever but um it's very rewarding in the sense that you get to actually interview people and report um ufo sightings that the general public refer to us mm-hmm. so if you just go to our website there's there's various ways you can even be a volunteer no cost involved um, basically a, a member or a, a field investigator. Mark's sitting here on the edge of his seat. I think he wants to get involved, don't you, Mark? <laughs> they'd, be right, they'd be right up your alley, wouldn't it? Yes, I've uh, had some close encounters, so definitely have a big interest in it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show again, Roger. No worries. No Thanks. worries. And we'll let you go. And that was um, it was Occam's Razor, episode 11, live on East FM, 88.1, 107.1. Uh, or you might be listening to us online, eastfm.nz, or streaming us through TuneIn. We'll leave you a few more spooky sounds from a UFO crash site, Ambience is what it's called, and I'll be using that to get to sleep this evening. Thanks for coming on, Roger, and thanks for coming on, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, and Mark. we'll see everyone next time.